what are psychedelics? Is floating a psychedelic experience? Should we be having psychedelic experiences? Dr. Victor Zelik joins the show today and has a really insightful, very interesting conversation with us about these topics and much more. So feel free to lay back on the couch and uh, check in with our therapist here, Dr. Dr. Victor Zelik. A really fun episode, really interesting. Uh, before we get started, big shout out to our sponsors. Helmbot, of course, is our uh, beloved scheduling software that we use. And I'm, I'm just always so happy to hear when somebody switches over to Helmbot or starts out their business with Helmbot. I just know that they're in good hands. They're not going to be facing some of the troubles that we experienced over the years with our previous scheduling software. Switching over to Helmbot was a wonderful choice for us. It is no risk to find out if they're a good fit for you. You can get in contact with them, get a tour, make sure it works for your classes, your LMTs, your therapists. And it actually does for us. We've, we've done everything basically at the float shop. We've, we've done yoga. We have LMTs. We have uh, psychiatrists. We've, we've kind of done it all, of course, uh, in addition to the float tanks. So, um, you know, make sure it works for you, but uh, go to helmbot.com just to, just to make sure, get that tour. You can even have a, a demo set up for you. There's absolutely no risk. I also want to give a shout out to Isopod. Isopod are some beautiful, large, safe-feeling float tanks that we use at the float shop. Once we started acquiring them, we realized they were such a good fit for us at the shop and mainly such a good fit for our clients where once they see them, they realize like, oh, floating doesn't mean that, that C-word coffin. It's not like getting in a coffin. It's a very safe environment to look at, to get into. And it's simple enough that any client getting in isn't going to get confused by all sorts of buttons and, and gizmos. And on the back end, it's also a very well-built, sturdy float tank. So you know that once you drop it into your room or you encase your room around it, that it's going to last in there. So go to i-sopod.com to check them out, get in contact with them, tell them we sent you at Art of the Float. And also a shout out to Kim's business, Mindful Solutions. Uh, Mindful.solutions is where you want to go. And just honestly, just get her contact info, start a conversation. There's a lot of things Mindful Solutions can do for you uh, regarding your social media and your social social outreach. And uh, they work for us at the float shop. I believe they're working for Gloria as well for all of her float 60s. We absolutely dig what she does for us. All right, let's go ahead and uh, start the show. Welcome back to another episode of Art of the Float. My name is Dylan. I own the float shop in Portland, Oregon with my lovely wife, Sandra. And I float um, at this point in my life for rest and to not have to think about anything, just to simply let go of any expectations for 90 minutes. This is Drew from New Hampshire Float. And currently I float for my back pain and to reset my brain because I always feel like after I float... I've had this huge weight lifted off of my shoulders and whatever was rattling about around my brain, holding it down, gets peeled away. And this is Kim Hannon. I own Sukino Float Center in Salt Cave in Southern Indiana with my husband. And my answer probably changes every time you ask me, but the, one of the main reasons is to quiet my monkey mind. Do we all mention our brain? I guess even escapism is, is all having to do with our brain here tonight. I am excited. We have a bit of an educational episode tonight, deep diving into what happens during a float uh, and why that can be important. 
Dr. Victor Zelik is joining us tonight. Welcome. Hello. Dr. Zelik is a, and I'm going to take a deep breath before I say all of this, a licensed clinical psychologist, a neuropsychologist from Rhinebeck, New York. His expertise includes psychological and neuropsychological testing, QEEG, which I'm going to have to have him explain to us in a little bit, neurofeedback, biofeedback, psychotherapy, couples therapy, cognitive remediation, stress management, forensic evaluations, and expert testimonies. <gasps> oh, yes. Um, did I get that last part right? Expert testimonies? Yes. Um, forensic evaluations and expert testimony. <laughs> I'm sorry. What, what does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> uh, it means that after 25 years of practicing clinical psychology and neuropsychology, there are all kinds of titles that are floating around there. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay. <laughs> so you've, you've collected a few over the years. I can appreciate that. That's great. Well, thank you so much for being on the show tonight. Um, have you ever floated yourself? Uh, I have, yes. And so you've been able to um, see what the experience is like and witness firsthand what happens to the brain? Uh, well, uh, what happens to me, I should say, uh, my flotation experience is very limited, I have to confess. That's okay. <laughs> but uh, here's an interesting tidbit. Uh, uh, you, you may have uh, uh, caught from my uh, accent that I... Uh, I was born somewhere else. And indeed, uh, I grew up in Lithuania. And before I came to the U United States in 1984, which was almost 40 years ago, um, <clears throat> I uh, graduated from medical school and I practiced psychiatry in Lithuania, which at the time was the Soviet Union, of course. And so here's an interesting factoid. Um, they have used flotation to treat alcoholism in uh, the good old USSR. Hmm. Uh, I never used it uh, myself in my hospital, but uh, uh, I knew people who underwent flotation treatments for alcoholism in Russia. Did you have any uh, feedback on the um, usefulness of it? Of the, any success rates? Um, they, they were... Um, the data weren't really published, mm -hmm. but people mm -hmm. anecdotally reported that it was quite helpful to them. Interesting. Very interesting. When we go into a float state, you know, our sensory input goes as close down to zero as we possibly can. We become very aware of our inner body. And I think at a certain point, we, we just kind of let go and our entire brain quiets down, but other parts are activated. What, what do you know about that? What might be happening as the brain quiets down? Um, well, there could be all sorts of things happening in the brain, but um, one way or another, you could say that um, some sort of altered state of consciousness takes place. And uh, people float for a variety of reasons, uh, and they're all valid. Uh, relaxation, uh, medical benefits, personal growth, enhanced creativity, you name it. But um, the one that is of most interest to me is, uh, I would call it altered states of consciousness mm. or uh, psychedelic experiences. Now, the word psychedelic is uh, sometimes misunderstood, but it could be used very broadly. Mm. Uh, <clears throat> I'm a member of a MAPS organization, which is a 
multidisciplinary association for psychedelic studies. And um, there was a meeting uh, that I attended a couple of years ago in New York City, which, by the way, was fascinating. There were more than 1,000 psychiatrists and psychologists from all over the world meeting in New York. Uh, we had uh, presentations at Cooper Union there on the use of psychedelics uh, to assist in therapy, uh, treatment of various conditions and personal growth. And so the, the MAPS conference defined psychedelic uh, as a broad term applied to compounds and or experiences with related subjective effects of an altered perception of one's sense of self and increased awareness of mental processes. Mm. That's a mouthful. Mm. Uh, uh, or we can simply call it for short, non-ordinary states of consciousness. So, yeah, when I think of psychedelics, I first thing that ever comes to my mind, you know, mushrooms, acid, LSD, I mean, these, <laughs> but, but from what right. you just described, a, a float tank could fit into that description. Well, I like to use this term in a really broad term. Uh, if you are a meditator, you can enter psychedelic states. Okay. Uh, you know, if you're drunk, you're in a psychedelic hmm. state. If you are... Um, on a roller coaster, it's a psychedelic state. And certainly if you take substances, it's a psychedelic state. Um, I think the, the nice thing about uh, things like flotation or uh, we'll call them restricted environment stimulation technique mm -hmm. or, or sensory deprivation tanks, whatever term you prefer, does not involve uh, any substances put in your body. And that's appealing to a lot of people. I think, uh, Using substances is really, you know, pushing the envelope, and uh, some people might have a problem with that. Uh, nevertheless, it is a psychedelic experience in a broad, in a broader sense, which means a non-ordinary state of mind, um, transcending or delving into uh, states of mind that um, are not your daily. Hello, how are you? Um, going to work, having my cup of coffee state of mind. <laughs> and would you say that um, when going into these different states, is it always for the purpose of, not necessarily for the purpose of, but is our benefits for things like facing your shadow? Or would it also, is there simply a benefit of being in that state periodically? Is there Are there just natural benefits without something so maybe intense? Well, as with most things, in my opinion, it depends on the intent and intention. Mm -hmm. uh, these uh, psychedelic states can lead to um, conditions that we can call uh, dissociation or derealization or depersonalization. And uh, hey, you know, my colleagues uh, would describe it as a psychosis or as a, or as a psychiatric condition that is undesirable and should be treated. Um, to which I say, you know, one person's dissociation is another person's opportunity. And so uh, one should know what they're in for when they go into those states. And uh, it's always helpful to have a guide or a therapist or some way to process it uh, in sort of a therapeutic way. Um, you know, we call it therapeutic integration. Mm -hmm. uh, for example, in my uh, 
clinical practice. We use uh, ketamine-assisted therapy, which is a psychedelic. It happens to be the only uh, psychedelic in the United States that is uh, legally prescribable. Um, and uh, <clears throat> I also know that a lot of people you know, will take something like ketamine uh, just for fun on their own, and it could be profoundly illuminating, but it could also be very dangerous. Um, and uh, all these uh, psychedelic drugs as well could be taken uh, as for recreation, mm -hmm. for fun, but they can also be taken for uh, their, um, shall we say, mind-expanding capacity and abilities. Uh, and so the same thing uh, with flotation uh, and those non-ordinary states, uh, it is very helpful to process the experience the sense of sometimes we use you know terms like uh, loss of uh, of a sense of self or uh, uh, ego destruction or mm. something you know that people aim in, in those uh, psychedelic states and it could be uh, downright terrifying for people uh, i've heard many people say that they have uh, you know, had really uh, high anxiety in those states, mm -hmm. whether they were induced by psychedelics, let's call it, you know, having a bad trip, mm -hmm. or uh, sensory deprivation in mm -hmm. a flotation tank. Uh, uh, they could be very uncomfortable to, to lose the sense of ordinary reality mm -hmm. for people. Um, so it does take a certain amount of intention open-minded curiosity and courage to, uh, shall we say, embark on this uh, path of a seeker of, you know, psychedelic experiences. Uh, I was a, a member of the uh, Zendo project, which is a, a psychedelic harm reduction project at uh, Burning Man. And mm. uh, Last time I went to Burning Man, we had 70,000 people there in the in the desert, and a lot of them took drugs, and some of them had very good time, but some of them had really bad time, bad trips. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. we were um, volunteering for this project to assist people with uh, uh, trips gone bad. Uh, and um, sometimes people, well, most of the time, they just went on their own on, on those trips or with their friends without experienced guides. Mm -hmm. So this is an, ex, uh, an extreme example, but I can imagine same thing with uh, flotation experience. If you don't know what you're in for and uh, if you are a novice uh, and if you go just for relaxation a good time and all of a sudden all your sensory input is being cut off and you feel, begin to feel really weird and it makes you really anxious and you may think, oh my God, what's going on? I you know, didn't sign up for this. And, uh, and they may have an anxiety. And then all kinds of internal uh, things can start floating up. You know, old traumas or uh, old suppressed memories, anxieties may begin to bubble up. Yeah. And people may feel very uncomfortable. To me, this is an opportunity an opportunity to work through this, an opportunity to experience something new. But uh, as I said uh, a minute ago, it does take courage. 
uh, intent and courage to do that, uh, to face uh, something new and something different and uh, allow your mind to take places. The good thing is, uh, especially if we're talking about flotation, you know, it's 90 minutes and then it's over. And you go back <laughs> to your default reality. Victor, how do you, you suggest, since you have floated, I, all the things you're saying about trying to um, make sure that new floaters understand the things that could happen without putting too much into their head prior to a float. Um, how do you suggest that we prepare people for those possible different states that could happen, but they don't necessarily happen for everybody without overloading them with too much information? Um, I would say be uh, a curious and open-minded person allow things to happen. Um, if you are a novice in this and you are actively chasing a state of uh, ego death or, you know, unreality, uh, this is not going to happen. Uh, so, you know, just relax and open your mind. And whatever happens, take notice of it and go with it. Accept it. Uh, if it gets a little uncomfortable and scary, Take notice of that and um, just allow your feelings to wash over. And um, there's a wealth of information of this that may come up. Uh, take notice, remember, and then hopefully discuss it with somebody afterwards. That This is what we call, in my field, integration session. Uh, from a therapeutic point of view, it would be wonderful if everybody could have uh, an integration session after they float. To discuss what came up in their uh, flotation session. I, I, as you're speaking, I'm thinking of our therapist who, since COVID hit, is is no longer working at the shop with us, unfortunately. But Dr. Sarah Faru um, would, well, first of all, uh, she's a member of MAPS, and she's also helped at uh, Burning Man as well, I believe. And um, she would have wonderful. Yeah, she's amazing, and she would have clients. Um, her clients, some of them, float and then not meet immediately afterwards. There, there would usually be a few days in between, I think, for some mm -hmm. natural processing before they would then you right. know, have a discussion about it. But uh, I'm just interesting hearing you talk about this. There's so much is coming up for me about, about our therapist. Yeah, I agree. You don't have to have your therapist in you, uh, with you, I'm sorry, with you in the tank <laughs> Yeah, <sure. laughs> or waiting outside, you know, with a mm -hmm. towel. You could process that <laughs> days and even weeks later. Interesting. Um, okay. But, um, you know, it, it's uh, the, the idea of reducing stimulation, proprioception. So, in other words, your, what your body feels, your, your senses, uh, could be very beneficial. Uh, think about psychoanalysis. Uh, all the way back to Sigmund Freud, the idea is to lay down on the couch and not even look at the therapist. What, what mm. is it if not a form of minor sensory deprivation. <laughs> nice. Right? It's, it's sort of unplugging from uh, the usual things and restricting the input hmm. uh, allows you to delve uh, inside of you and in, into your own mind. I wanted to follow up about the integration. Now, when you say integration, is that something that I could, at my float center, offer a once-a-week Zoom call and I could be the host and talk about it? Or... 
you're talking about someone who's a trained professional doing the integration with people. It doesn't have to be. Uh, I think you could offer that. I think uh, the flotation enthusiasts could offer it to each other. There could be, say, you know, a, a group discussion. You know, what came up for you and how, what was it like for you? And you could be a facilitator of mm. that discussion. Uh, if somebody has some really painful stuff coming up, uh, some uh, repressed traumas, and people can have a very strong emotional reaction from that, then yes, you could recommend that they discuss this with a therapist. But in general, I think it would be lovely just for um, like a support group or a discussion group uh, where people could share that and you could lead them not into, well, you know, depends on the angle. The angle could be uh, how good it is for alleviating uh, lower back pain, but it could also be, you could lead them into you know, what did uh, this mean to you? What did, uh, what, what came up emotionally for you? Uh, how deep were you able to dive into that? So all that could be very um, illuminating for, for users. I think a lot of places also have a, um, a post-float reflection journal. And I, mm-hmm. I, just reading through some of the entries at my own center, I feel like to some degree, some some people really are kind of processing that and, and recognizing some pretty profound experiences that they had there. So I think that, you know, serves a little bit of the same purpose, but I would love, I love the concept of having, um, you know, some sort of a group atmosphere or just a place for people to be able to go uh, talk to someone. And um, I realized that we have a holistic therapist who's in our building directly above uh, us at the float center. And um, we've never actually talked about her hours of operation of her being available for people. Um, mm. If something does happen to come up during the, the, the guest experience. So now I'm absolutely Kim, mm-hmm. that makes perfect sense to me. Mm-hmm. And uh Things do come up, if, and if you uh, lead people in that direction, I think they will talk about mm. it. And it's really, you know, it's a very simple and affordable and accessible procedure. You know, if you want to do advanced psychonautics and spend thousands of dollars, you could go to, to the jungles of Peru and have an ayahuasca experience, you know, with shamans there. Um, and it may yield something useful or it may not. Uh, but um, uh, a, uh, a flotation experience, which doesn't require any substances, and uh, some people can really go very deep in, in, in this direction, just like in you know meditation or uh, it, just introspection or or psychotherapy. It's uh, you know if this is your intention, if you're headed in that direction, then uh, and then you know if you facilitate further discussion and exploration of their experiences that can really open up a lot of useful Mm. stuff for people every time i read about um mushrooms uh being used for ptsd they always note that it's you know with uh, a therapist or a psychologist uh, in tandem and that makes a lot of sense why it could be kind of a roll of the dice um if you just take mushrooms on your own but with a guide with somebody to, to guide you through it and help you process it that makes a lot more sense that's interesting that's how you're describing the flow process and it sounds like psychedelics in general that's that's the way to go that's true yeah absolutely uh there are currently several uh phase three studies going on uh, 
in this country and throughout the world on the use of therapeutic use of uh, psilocybin, LSD, and MDMA, and ketamine. Um, and the results that were reported at the MAPS conference are very encouraging, but they mm. are all administered through medical facilities or universities under the auspices of this uh, you know, research program. So by definition, what you recruit is people with uh, medical or uh, emotional conditions like uh, addiction or depression or uh, PTSD. So yes, they do require, or you know, it's definitely uh, best if they do this under the auspices and guidance of a therapist. Mm -hmm. uh, that said, you know, there are millions of people who do it recreationally, and some some people have uh, very profound uh, healing or psychedelic mind expanding experiences where they feel more afterwards. And I can speak from my own experience. Uh, I, uh, I feel much more connected to the world around me, uh, animal and human, <laughs> uh, mm. more connected, more intimate with people in general. I think in some weird way, it just removed uh, fear of mortality for oh. me. Uh, One, please. I'll, uh, I'll take that. that. Well. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, so, you know, there could be uh, a lot of positive effects, but, uh, you know, drugs in particular, they command respect. And, mm. uh, you know, I do not recommend them lightly. And, you mm. know, one should really be educated and know what they're doing because they could be extremely dangerous and destructive and addictive. And, and you know, it's all true. So uh, that's why uh, it's very important to do it responsibly with knowledge and guidance. Can I ask you a perhaps a very dumb question? I know they say there are no dumb questions, but uh, would would you recommend? Do you see um, certain drugs being a, a get there faster, like a, a sports car for for getting to um, I don't know inner peace, or or do you think everything's potentially on the equal uh, spectrum, or just different people are diff uh, might pair better with say floating or with uh, I don't know, mushrooms, LSD, whatever. I think it's the last one. Okay. Um, I think different people respond better to different drugs mm. um, in terms of getting to their, uh, you know, putative or stated goal of uh, psychedelic experience or enlightenment or whatever it is. Uh, I'm not talking about, you know, feeling uh, just a, you know, feeling buzzed or feeling nice. I'm talking about getting a psychedelic experience. Uh, there are, you know, chemical differences. Uh, LSD, of course, uh, is a much longer lasting, takes hours. Psilocybin is uh, quicker, you know, but then again, psilocybin comes from unregulated. Psilocybin comes from mushrooms. So it's, you never know exactly mm. what dose you're taking. So each trip can be different, uh, different strains of mushrooms and so forth. Uh, <clears throat> um, and, you know, it's true uh, because, you know, all this is technically it's all illegal except for ketamine. Mm -hmm. So uh, there's always a danger of some adulterated substances and, sure. um, you know, chemical problems. That's why it's really it's a very double edged sword, uh, which is unfortunate. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, flotation is much safer in that sense. Right. 
if if you can pardon my ignorance in this question, are you saying that that psilocybin is manufactured ma- manufactured rather than than grown in mushrooms for the clinical testing? No, no, I, I said pre- precisely the opposite. It's, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, it's, uh, it comes from mushrooms, and because and because of that, uh, it's very difficult to know the precise amount of psilocybin in the mushrooms, and it mm-hmm. varies from strain to strain. And, and during the clinical testing, how do they know exactly how much they're giving? Oh, they actually, they are growing, uh, at least I know that there's a, one study that they conduct in the U.S. They actually have a facility that where they grow those mushrooms for medical use. So it's much more laboratory uh, standardized and the amounts are all standardized. I love it. Cool. Oh, my goodness. Um, another kind of, I don't know, simple question are there are there shortcuts? Are these themselves shortcuts? What what is happening when we're going into these altered states, or or taking psychedelics, or in in you know including floating in that? Well, it, you know, it's a it's a certain mindset, and I have to be very clear: it's not for everyone. Not everyone uh, is interested uh, in psychedelic states. Uh, so you have to be a psychonaut. I like that term. You know, it's an explorer. <laughs> It's a, a seeker, a person who is interested in that. Some people are not, and some mm-hmm. people don't want the danger. Some people mm-hmm. think it's dumb. Some people don't like the fact that it's could you know some of these substances you know are dangerous or illegal and black market and the whole thing. So, um, you know, if you're interested and if you follow the path, um, then um, it takes a certain mindset of curiosity and open-mindedness and uh, and courage to uh, pursue that and and find out where it can lead you. And um, I've known many people who really benefited uh, as artists uh, or, you know, personal growth or spiritual growth. Um, And, and, you know, I know quite a few people who were really ruined their health and, mm. and became destitute. So it's, mm. it's, a, it's a slippery slope, which can offer great rewards, but it should mm. be also, you know, taken with a lot of care and, and uh, caution. Victor, I wanted to follow up on that a little bit. Owning a float center and um, having long hair, I get a lot of people who ask questions about uh, psilocybin or ayahuasca or just psychedelics in general for not for like taking and listening to Pink Floyd, but for therapeutic uses. (laughs) And they just don't know where to go to get information. And it's often a little kind of like a uncomfortable start of the subject until I'm like, oh, no, it's cool. We can talk about that. But as a float center owner, where we're attracting people who tend to work on themselves and then they ask those other questions. Is there any place we can direct people for more information? Um, that's a very good question, uh, Drew. I couldn't name you know one source, but there is a million of uh, books out there. Uh, there is a lot of good information um, on the internet. There are uh, transcripts from MAPS conference. Um, I think that those who really want to get some good quality information will find it. It's out there. Um, 
I think, you know, what you said, you know, being a float center, having long hair and all that, and sometimes uh, it could attract uh, people who uh, have curiosity about drugs, uh, you know, for uh, recreational purposes. Uh, and in my opinion, that's not a good association to have with uh, flotation centers. Uh, you know, someone asked, had asked me, uh, would you take psychedelics while you're floating? Uh, and my general answer to that is no, uh, unless you are a very advanced, experienced floater slash psychonaut. Uh, it could be, you know, really a bad combination. Uh, you are in a dark place, you're in, in the water and uh, um, for, I should say, for all intents and purposes, the answer is it's not a good combo. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. I'm, I'm glad you got to that question. That's something that I wanted to, to ask myself um, about the, the, what you would think about combining those two. Well, you know, uh, I did qualify if you are really an experienced uh, mm -hmm. uh, psychonaut, you know, if you have a good grasp of, of what uh, psychedelic substances can do for you and what uh, flotation can do for you and you have done it many times, um, I could imagine somebody might try to experiment, but, uh, you know, for most people, I, I should say, you know, just go easy with that. And I think legally, and, it would uh, need to be... Probably not a good idea. <laughs> I think legally, it would need to be your own float tank. And um, I think we would definitely encourage right. a guide on a that other, one. Um, a whole other... Uh, right. <laughs> right. Absolutely. It's, it, it, yeah, let's let's start with the fact that they're totally they're legal still. <laughs> right, uh, right. So... Um, Something that's been coming up during this conversation that I'd love to get out before we wrap up is um, why do you think, you talked, you used the term psychonaut or inner explorer. I'm not sure if you said that specifically, but um, what do you think about people who don't have that drive? Why, um, it, to me, it almost feels like a piece of our human nature to want to delve inward, um, but maybe we can have these barriers that come up would you agree that we um, develop these barriers or do you think there are just people who naturally are or aren't? I think uh, both are true. I think we have, mm. as human beings, uh, it's just the nature of our mind, uh, human brain, to create virtual realities and seek uh, psychedelic experiences. Um, there were even studies by a French psychologist, Piaget, where he observed small children uh, in a park just, you know, twirling around and spinning until they get dizzy <laughs> and, and fall down and laugh. Yeah. Um, and, you know, in a sense, they were creating, you know, uh, an extraordinary experience uh, or psychedelic experience of, you know, making themselves dizzy. I think uh, human brain is in, in, in the business of creating virtual realities. Hmm. Uh, you know, we create uh, movies, we create hmm. stories, we create gods, we create, we live in this, uh, you know, that's, that's what we do. We create tools that don't exist in nature. We have hmm. to imagine them first. Um, so we're all seekers, but we also live in a society where 
we're conditioned to fear certain states or sometimes you're linked with cults or religions or sometimes you know money or health issues um, and you know some of them are valid but it's um, you know there is a lot of uh, complexity social complexity uh, in in exploring and pursuing that that's why you know I emphasize that curiosity and open mind are important but we, I think we all as humans have that uh, interest in like, you know, what's what's beyond the veil? What if I, you know, just pull gently aside the veil of conventionality of the uh, default reality? What's there? What's beyond our daily, you know, silly interactions of, you know, <laughs> hey, hello, good to see you. Mm-hmm. You know, what is the real uh, story there? Um, and then we get into the territory of, you know, the matrix and and all that. It's it's pure mm. fantasy, and it's uh, we then manufacture and create those realities mm. by losing the 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 scaffolding of of the self, the sense of self, which is sort of ossified or petrified by you know social norms. And if we take that apart and reach out beyond that little curtain which takes courage, you know, to, to and, uh, and we discover that, uh, we might hopefully discover that all these conventions are often made up artificial. You know, we live in the world where, you know, what does it mean, you know, national borders hmm. or money <laughs> uh, or some social uh, norms or warfare, you know, it's all made up, uh, stuff that doesn't really exist uh and and pulling aside that veil sometimes allows us to really glimpse the things as they really are without sort of our interference of our uh conventional self beautiful i love it well thank you victor thank you so much for joining us tonight oh my pleasure absolutely appreciate it yeah Victor, again, thank you so much for joining us. And thanks to my co-hosts, Gloria, Kim, and Drew. Appreciate you guys so much. Thanks to you for listening. Thanks to our sponsors. Thanks to Helmbot, Isopod, and thanks to um, you supporting our Patreon. For any of you who are, um, you can get photography, float photography, video, and even uh, scientific blog posts now via our Patreon to help support your business. And uh, gosh, I think that's mostly it. I mean, just our big one. Thank you, Olga, for producing the show. And as always, Dan Larson, this one was for you. We'll see you next week.